This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good morning, I am Zoe Ensa, and welcome to Teacher Talk Radio Saturday morning breakfast show. Um, it's lovely to hear you be with you here today, and I'm looking forward to talking all things CPD. Do we need to bin it? Do we need to bag it? Do we need to find another way? Do we need to find a way that I can carry on talking over the jingle to get it just right on time? This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. And hopefully it's going to fade away into the background, never to be heard again. Um, that's going to be fun. I, I've, I've already been playing around with that jingle this morning. And uh, well, who knows where it might end up. Uh, I haven't actually. I haven't practiced that at all. I can show. Oh, look, 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 this go. is Teachers Talk Radio. Let's stop that. I told you the technology here was going to be interesting today. And uh, yes, here we go to start off with. Well, good morning again. Let's say this properly. Uh, I'm Zoe Enser, and I'm here on this rather grey and drizzly morning uh, over in East Sussex to talk to you about all things about CPD. And as I said in the introduction, do we need to uh, bin it? Do we need to bag it? What really do we need to do with this thing that has been dangling around for quite a while now, since uh, when we, we got our paper days, our inset days? Uh, in order to be able to allow us to become better practitioners. Um, I let out of bed this morning really excited, like a child on a Christmas morning, waiting for the snow, but all I've got here is drizzle. But uh, those of you who are enjoying the snow, stay safe and stay warm. Um, and, uh, you know, throw a couple of snowballs on my behalf, but safely, of course, not like all the stories that we used to hear in the playground about all the things that went wrong with that. So, like I say, uh, CPD, that's my theme, that's my interest, that is my passion and something that I'm constantly uh, nattering away about, as I'm sure many of you all know. Um, and partly that really for me was about frustration, lots and lots of frustration about how CPD was or was not working in my experience. Um, and like I know many of you have, sitting for quite a few hours in drafty halls where somebody uh, projected these wonderful graphs up onto, onto the screen. They seem to be obsessed with graphs, obsessed with data and, and graphs. And, and that's what CPD started to mean for me. I, I didn't actually understand what was happening on the days where that graph didn't come up uh, on the board. And, and you'd, you'd sit there and, and I'd be wondering, actually, how did this relate to me? In my classroom, and and so a, a bit of an obsession was born, and an obsession, as I say, due, coming from frustration, coming from confusion, coming from really not being quite sure um, about what it was all for. Um, and I know that I'm not alone in that, and and uh, I'm sure there are plenty of people who would love to uh, give their opinion around CPD. So do call in or text in your thoughts or your ideas around CPD. And um, of course, because I'm interested in other people's experiences, I, I headed off to Edu Twitter, the place, uh, my second home, I think it might be fair to say, where I spend quite a lot of time 
thinking and exploring and seeing what other people uh, are chatting about. And undoubtedly, you know, the, the experiences were there, the, the, uh, the horror stories, we might say, uh, in some cases. Uh, Canterbury Kitty had a particularly nice one. Lovely explanation, really nice explanation that she uh, sat through recently. Sorry, I um, shouldn't, shouldn't use gendered language there. Sorry, Canterbury. But uh, they'd sat there and they'd uh, thought of uh, uh, what they were going to hear was something revolutionary. And it was about sharing Excel spreadsheets. And it was a really good explanation. But the problem was that actually that was something that they'd been doing for a number of years in the school. And, and that was something that came up uh, in a few other conversations where the Google expert turned up to tell people how to use Google Classrooms. And unfortunately, uh, Google Classrooms was something that had been well embedded, as we know, from a year before. So there was no gems in there. Uh, Paul Matt, um, he talked about having to sit through um, uh, some training, which he'd actually delivered just weeks before, or had written just weeks before. And that was a bit of a common theme. And uh, that worries me quite a lot about uh, you know, copyright and intellectual property and all of those things. But there were quite a few people who tweeted about finding that there they were, you know, sat in a hall, sometimes potentially with a paid speaker who had come in in order to explore that. And uh, it was their own materials. And this was obviously a massive concern. There was one uh, particular case where they even went so far as to uh, confront them at the end of the session and say, um, this was my material, this was my PowerPoint that you were sharing there. And uh, they were adamant, they denied it. There is no way that that, that was something that they hadn't produced. And, and, and this, this teacher opened up their laptop and they said, look, here it is, here's my evidence, here is my PowerPoint. And the presenter still continued to talk about how it was their CPD. So I, I don't know where they sometimes think these things come from, whether you know the, the, the CPD fairies deliver it in the night or the PowerPoint fairies or whatever it is. But there they are, you know, popping in saying that this is their own intellectual property. And, and there were quite a few cases of that, um, which is, is obviously quite a worry. Um, CPD generally, which doesn't connect to anything you're doing in your classroom or CPD, which seems to, you know, my big one was it, where it lurched from thing to thing and it bounced around. And so one week we were teaching like a champion. The next week we we're rumbering like Rosenshine. And, and I had no idea what this actually meant to me in my classroom with my students who actually they needed to learn about Shakespeare or they needed to learn about poetry. And, and that was their focus. And tying it all together was really, really difficult. Um, Jonathan Mount Stevens, he, he, he came up with quite a few. Um, he kind of listed out some horror stories. Uh, one, I'm not really sure what was going on with it, but they were tied together. They were roped together. And I don't know whether other people have experienced that kind of CPD. I, I'm not quite sure what the thinking was behind it. Perhaps somebody can either call in or text in and, and enlighten me. Maybe even Jonathan himself can, can let us know a bit more about that. But that, there they were kind of linked together. Um, maybe they had to escape. Uh, you know, may, maybe that was the plan and that was what they were going for. Um, or, or maybe it was about being together and togetherness. And, and maybe that links in with uh, the other example I heard where uh, people were asked to go around the hall pause when a whistle was blown and give each other a big hug um or or, or david weston um he had an example where everyone was uh, you know giving each other a little massage through the cpd and that's what cpd was about and 
maybe maybe it was about well-being maybe being linked together or, or, or roped together was what they were doing but uh, again it would be good to be enlightened as to exactly what was being thought was going to happen to your teaching as a result of that um, he also mentioned where he was in USLT and uh, he had to sing and do a lot of gestures uh, as part of the singing really kind of enthusiastic uh, I can certainly imagine the kind of gestures I may have ended up doing if I was asked to do that. But I've been warned that today I must not swear on air or I will not be allowed to come back and play. That That's certainly the message that I got loud and clear earlier today. Um, but if, if that was about well-being, maybe the singing was about well-being. Maybe that was the, the fun that was there. But uh, it, it does come up a lot. Um, enforced fun, enforced yoga lessons, twilight sessions where uh, you're zumbering all over the place. And that seems to have come up uh, in terms of terrible CPD opportunities. Again, if we can call these CPD opportunities, what are these activities actually about? And how is it developing what you need to develop for your profession? And, and I would certainly raise quite a few questions around that. And I'm sure that there are some strong opinions. Maybe some people love them. Maybe, maybe it does make a difference. Um, not in my experience, I have to say, but I'm happy to have that discussion and have that debate. Um, poor old Nathan, uh, Nathan Lessoncoffee, he um, worked at, uh, or was with 1LA, where they had a really strict limit on the amount of coffee and refreshments people could have. You could only have one per day, uh, or sorry, one per half day session. So they, they, they weren't quite as stingy as I was thinking there, but one per half day um, session. And uh, I can just picture the the poor people sitting through those sessions um, who, you know, how, how the caffeine levels were working. Um, we know that sometimes we end up mainlining caffeine just to be able to get through half the day. Um, let her know half a day where there might have been icebreakers, possibly role play. The content may have been wonderful. He didn't actually mention that. I think if Nathan's around, maybe he can tell me whether they actually were really good quality sessions. It was just the coffee that was the issue. But um, certainly it would have been a little bit of a, an ordeal. And, and I think this is the, the message that I'm getting loud and clear when I talk to people about CPD is that um, it is become a, it's become a bit of an ordeal. It, it's a trial. It's something we have to get through at the beginning of term. It's something that we have to uh, fight our way through to get to the good stuff where we actually go and plan our lessons. And um, that, I, I would say, is, is really not the way that we're going to stop or keep people in the profession. Um, it's certainly not the way that it's going to you know, make people feel uh, that they really understand what they need to do. So uh, that, that's definitely you know, my take on that, that, that we need to move away from these things. Um, the other ones, that the, the, uh, having the PowerPoints read to you, and being treated as if you can't actually read. Now, I, I know equally, I've also looked at some dreadful PowerPoints being presented to me and uh, you can't see it. They've, they've decided that they think that maybe doing it in green on a red background or red on a you know, green background is the way to go in the smallest font projecting from the front. Um, and actually, I did see quite an, an eminent speaker who, who was wonderful, but hadn't had the opportunity to check out the venue recently. And uh, bless him, he had to read out slide after slide after slide to us at the back as we simply couldn't see. But, but generally, 
we, we can read. We, we're okay with that. We, we don't need somebody to read that kind of thing to us. And again, it, I think that comes back to treating us as professionals, um, treating CPD as something that professionals do as opposed to something that's done to, we're read to, and, and we're kind of talked down to. And, and that's certainly not something that we want to be continuing. I have to say, um, of all my personal favourite little anecdotes uh, from Twitter, though, it has to be Eugene McFadden. E Eugene um, must be an absolute joy to work with if you're one of those uh, senior leaders who's spent, or, or, or you know, CPD providers um, generally, who has decided that they're going to do some work around behaviour management and uh, going to do some work around role play in particular. And uh, Eugene, you know, rocked up as he does um, and really embraced the role play fully when he was playing the student. And uh, they were they're in a restorative conversation, he and this member of staff. And by the end of it, um, he had actually convinced that member of staff that he was never going to get into trouble, that uh, he was absolutely always going to be uh, treated as if he'd done the right thing. And if he did, by any reason, get into any kind of trouble, he was going to go to that member of staff and they were absolutely going to make sure that he was, uh, that they were his get out of jail free card. And so by the end of that restorative session, I imagine I would have learned a lot from working with Eugene on that because I would have realised that maybe that I, I needed to strengthen, maybe needed to explore a little bit my own approach to that um, because he'd, he'd obviously shown what could happen uh, if you were confronted with a particularly canny student there. But um, that, that certainly perhaps wasn't the way they were expecting the situation to go. And he had a few other examples uh, around what he had been doing there. But even then, even though he had really embraced this idea of role play and had really got caught up in the moment, um, it wasn't as much as, as another person who was mentioned uh, in my Twitter conversation where they were given a teddy bear and they were children and they had to pass the teddy bear around and share. And one participant just got so hooked and caught up in it, they, they just couldn't part with it. So they hung on to that teddy for the rest of the session, um, which you know, isn't it going to cause some interesting relationships later there. And, and I do not, for a second, suggest that that may not have been the most wonderful um, CPD if you were working in early years I just want to put that out there straight away um, but I, I, I think you know the, the teacher in role there may have perhaps taken it a, a little bit too far in that particular instance um, so you know, as I say I'm sure you've got lots more that you can add uh, of your experiences. I know that people have strong opinions about CPD and what does and what does not work. Um, I'm not going to be totally negative today. I am going to share some examples of things that I think do work and examples that people have shared where they think has worked. But I, I'm, I'm going to just, you know, still continue a little bit with my own personal journey with here. And this might have been a breaking point for me. It, might, it may well have been the moment where I realised that I needed to start researching and exploring a different approach. And that was the day that I went into school and uh, we, we had a day of carousel of activities. 
Now, I'm always a little bit skeptical about carousel of activities or, or anything called activities um, when we're talking about staff sessions. But uh, these activities that have been uh, laid out for us, the first one had to start with us in a room with, uh, and, and I know people have heard me moan about this before, but we were in a room and we had coloured card laid out on the table and we had glue sticks and we had sellotape and we had scissors and we had a big PowerPoint presentation at the front which said De Bono's thinking hats. And so the plan was that we would spend that first session literally making the hats. So we had to cut them out. They hadn't even cut the template for us. Not sure that that would help because I suppose at least it was distracting as we kind of battled with the scissors that weren't really cutting through the card. Um, we know that the quality of the, of the resources of the stationery in schools is not always as we would like it. Um, and then indeed trying to make the whole thing stick together. And uh, through this horror, we were then expected to then wear said hats for the rest of the day, where we went round and we did some sessions about seal um, and, and learnt about how we might put that as an additional heading on our slides. I, I think that's what I've taken away from seal and what I was supposed to do with it. That sounds about right. Um, and the other one was uh, to learn how we could create a murder mystery um, around the Piltdown Man, if we were at any point in the future were to be teaching Year 7 history. And I, I, again, I think that was the message that I was supposed to take away from that. I'm not sure how helpful it was for me in English because I wasn't planning on teaching anything about the Piltdown Man to Year 7. But nevertheless, we had quite a long session where we explored that. And um, well, yeah, mostly we were largely, we knew we were distracted by people wearing various wonky hats as we then took on different roles. I think I wore the black hat that day um, and I think I've probably been wearing the black hat ever since um, and, and I think I'm right in suggesting that that's the one where I perhaps see everything quite negatively, um, particularly around CPD. So um, that, that was probably what my, my biggest horror story but there may be other ones that I've blocked out. So. Um, Please do let me know if you've done anything similar. Oh, oh I, I did have uh, one more, actually. Um, I nearly did block this out, but then somebody kindly reminded me about it. And it was where, uh, in a leadership course, to learn how to be a better leader, I was. Um, we had to work in a group. We had some blocks on the table. And one of the participants had to be blindfolded. Um, and the rest of us had to talk them through. Um, how to build a tower and the tower the table with the highest tower got to win and I think from my understanding of that that was a, a, about communication it was about uh, how we couldn't assume that other people saw things that we did so I quite liked that bit but I probably could have had it explained to me um, as opposed to having to go through this whole process and um, we did giggle a lot. We laughed a lot around it. So that was quite a good thing. And it's obviously stayed with me a little bit, although it took a nudge from somebody else to really bring that back into my uh, my memory for the moment. Um, but I do think there's been quite a few, you know, 20 something years. And, and there's been a fair few examples that we could talk about. And I know that there is plenty out there that others want to share as well. But as I said, I said, I'm not going to just be terribly negative the whole time. I am going to uh, look for some positives. 
and we are going to talk about some of the positives when we meet our, uh, my guests later. But I flipped the question round uh, on Twitter and I invited people to send in the examples of their best CPD they'd had. And, and I did get some responses. There weren't as many responses as I'd had with uh, asking for the negative ones. People, you know, we like to share the pain. We like to share our stories. And, and some of them are quite frankly hilarious and may have been edited out for the, the, the case of this this show but the positive ones um there was a lot of love for um subject specific cpd a huge amount of love for being able to sit there and really explore um your subject in depth and really think about what you were going to be doing with that in your classroom and to build and develop your own subject knowledge around it so a huge amount um, of respect for the sessions that allowed people to do that um, another one that, that came out really strongly was uh, the ones where you had some personal choice, a little bit of autonomy, the opportunity to um, make your own decisions, to decide when, where and how you were going to focus. Um, and, and people were really happy with that, that level of personal choice. Um, again, moving away from those sessions where you were sitting in a, in a hall all together and everybody having the same thing delivered to them. So that they were the real two things that stood out, that the subject specific, the personal choice. Um, and, and I agree totally. It's, you know, my best CPD has been where there's been a really clear focus. So when I was working on something, just looking at assessment and I was providing lots and lots of knowledge around what assessment was for, what assessment was about, and then opportunities to discuss that and opportunities to apply it. And that was the kind of process. So for me, that was that was the strongest one. That was the one that, that stood out. And, and of course, then reading around my subject and developing my own understanding of the different texts that I'm teaching as an English teacher, developing my understanding of the context, um, looking at how other people approach it and having those conversations with other English teachers and particularly having that time and that opportunity to, to go around to different schools to talk to, to them about how they're doing things. I, I find that that's a real privilege, being able to go in and see how people are working and talk to other departments and, and really understand um, where their approach is coming from and, and getting out of my own head and, and having those challenges um, and of course, I've got, I've got to say Twitter as well, really, haven't I? Twitter has been a good source of CPD. And I do genuinely believe that. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it is definitely something that you benefit an awful lot from, um, particularly if you find the right corners of it. But, you know, there's still issues, aren't there? There are still huge issues with how we can get CPD right. So, I, you know, again, I'd really like to hear your view please do call in, please do, you know, text in. I can see a few people hovering there. Um, I don't believe for a second that Tabitha has nothing to say about the issue of CPD. So um, do feel free to, to send a text. Oh, and actually, looking at that, I've got all sorts of texts coming in because I'm so rubbish at the tech, I just didn't scroll down. So let's have a look at what people are saying here before we move on. So early years, Alex, Teacher Talk Radio has been brilliant CPD uh, for you. So that is really good. And I have to say, I really, I agree with that. You know, some of the people that I've heard speaking on here has uh, been absolutely fantastic. I've taken them on my morning dog walk and you know, it's been really, really good 
to unpick some of the thinking around, uh, you know, the work of, of you know, John Lundowski, um, yeah, Hattie, we've had the Bjorks on here, we have all sorts of people, um, all sorts of celebrities that have been there um, today. So it, it's really good. Um, I, I'm, I'm trying to read backwards, so I'll, I'll scroll back to the top there to make sure that I haven't missed any, any comments there. Um, CPD, says Clive Hill, is great for whole school and department development. I'd like to see a move towards PDP. I'm assuming there you mean personal development um, and works well out of outside of education. Um, that's going to be lovely, Clive, because we are going to uh, talk about that in more detail in coming weeks. Um, okay, <laughs> Mark Hentz is saying, catch me in a CPD session and you get bit. I had to read that a few times just to make sure I was reading that correctly. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think he's a fan at all. And there is that idea of somebody lunging at you in the hall to kind of give you a shoulder massage or a hug. Um, quite how we would respond. Um, you know, we're making a kind of flippant point there, but actually there's, there's a thing about personal autonomy in space and we shouldn't just assume that people can uh, can share, you know, that space with us because we happen to be working with them because they happen to be in the same staff room or whatever. Uh, we had forced life training with the cringiest guy, says Paul Leanne. Um, so I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry you've had to go through that. Uh, Dorian, to me, as a regular voyeur on Twitter, the CPT horror story is exactly that. Yet we still see these things going on. Yeah, th this is the issue, isn't it? So we're seeing this happening. We're sharing these stories. Now, I've been jumping up and down about this for at least the last um, 10 years. And yet change is yet to come. And, and you know, I, I've run some sessions where I've talked about the CPD revolution and uh, how we need a CPD revolution. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's frustratingly slow. And yet other things in education, we see, you know, changing at such a rapid pace that, that you know, we, we we barely have time to breathe. Um, sober as well, saying if anyone touched me during the CPD, yeah, that was really not going to be going well. Um, and again, you know, apologies for my, my terrible technical skills, waffling away here, waiting for people to uh, get in touch. And there were all of these co uh, conversations happening. Uh, unbeknown to me. So uh, thank you. Yeah, subject CPD with Mike Hill, absolutely spot on. I did say I wasn't going to do any shout outs to specific companies or specific providers, but somebody's texted that in. And I think we just need to flag that up because I've seen an awful lot of love for that as well online. Um, people are very much appreciating that. Once had a CPD about joke telling in class. Um, I think that's Colin McCormick there. Provider wasn't very funny, but I did get the rationale behind it. Yeah, it can be rather cringe, can't it? Um, listening to other people's jokes, as I am well aware, um, as I attempt to occasionally be funny when I'm talking on here. Um, Tabitha then, my head of faculty, once suggested I give a CPD for being funny. Um, I just think that Tabitha is wonderfully funny. But the idea that you could just teach somebody to be like Tabitha um, and how to be funny like Tabitha. Um, yeah, I, I just I can't see it myself. <laughs> I, I, I think, um, yeah, I, I think it could be interesting, um, a bit kind of Stuart Lee-esque, maybe, as you deconstructed your own, own jokes and explored what it was that was making you funny. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really don't think that you can just be able to teach somebody to be funny. Um, and the idea that we can 
inject artificial humor into our lessons as well that kind of worries me too and, and I suppose all of this really comes back as to the kind of question of what are we trying to solve with this CPD so so when somebody's saying to, to you know Colin or Tabitha we're going to do some CPD on how to be funny or how to use jokes what is the issue that's happening in their classrooms? Is, is it a sense that the students are meant to be, you know, giggling like loons throughout our lessons? Is it that we're meant to be using that to illustrate certain points with our teaching because we want it to stick differently? I, I'm just, I'm just not sure about that. And, and the same when you know we're walking around a, a hall and people are asking us to hug or, or tie each other up, whatever was going on with Jonathan Mount Stevens. Um, actually what is the thing in the classroom that we're attempting to address um i'm really not not sure what it is that we're hoping to achieve um when we put on those sessions and, and i think that's always my question is you know what is this for what is the focus what are, are we trying to do when we aim to do this uh, or when we're putting these sessions on like this um, now I'm, I'm aware that, uh, again, there's a lot of me so far, so thank you for your patience. Um, I'll try not to use too much self-depreciating humour, um, as I tend to in my classroom, because you'll just get fed up with hearing me put myself down if I keep doing that, presumably. But I am going to be joined by a very special guest today. I know it isn't a surprise for those people who have tuned in, because you can probably see him lurking around the place already. Um, but I've got the incredibly wonderful and the very, very knowledgeable Mark Henser joining me today. Um, so I, you know, please do call in um, or text in. <laughs> uh, do call in or text in um, if uh, you want to ask him anything. If you want to, you know, if you want to annoy him, um, that's always amusing from my perspective. I always quite like to see where that happens. But uh, the man, the legend, the ego himself. But before he does that, before we get involved with that, I'm going to try and play with the technology again. And I'm going to have a go at playing you the news. Now, whether this works might be something to see. It's likely that I'm going to end up playing either an advert or the jingle again, which um, we'll, needs, we'll sit needs there support we go. with your phonics see. teaching. Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE-validated programs to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Now I'm going to start deleting all the things that are popping up in there because I know I'm going to end up playing the wrong thing over and over again. So that was a message from our sponsor. Um, so hopefully, hopefully uh, people will be really excited to be able to use that. Um, I believe I am joined now, though, as I said, the man, the legend, the ego himself, Mark Henser. Are you here? Hello. 
Hello, I can actually hear you from downstairs in the living room. So, um, you... well, this is ruining the illusion, isn't it? <laughs> it very much is. And uh, obviously, where you're away in your hotel, um, living your celebrity lifestyle, um, mm. then, then uh, thank you ever so much for joining me this morning. I really do appreciate that. You're very welcome. Oh, good. I was I was leaving the space for you to be polite there. So well done for that. <laughs> picking up on my cues. You've taught me so well. <laughs> okay. Pretend to be normal. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll start with that. Um, we, we'll start with your celebrity status, just because um, oh, I like to I like to appease you. Um, yeah. What is it like to be a celebrity? Well, I'm currently having my coffee from my I became a teacher for the money and the fame mug. Um, oh, that's good which is lovely um it's, it's nice being a big deal i enjoy it i like the um applause that i get when i walk into a school the acclaim um <laughs> the, just the, just the love the fan mail you know alone is lovely um it, it's you know keeping our fire going through the winter just the bags and bags of it that arrive every day uh, oh, i was gonna say i haven't seen any of this fan mail i think you, you, you've got an occasional card that's been really lovely <laughs> that's been sent to you no, but, no, uh, bags and bags of fan mail <laughs> And I'm still waiting for, you know, the, the money that's going to be pouring in to keep me in the lifestyle that I'm supposed to be accustomed as well. So, um, you... shush, 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 <laughs> uh, am, 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 am I spoiling the illusion as well that, uh, that perhaps that isn't the case? Now, now people know you're supposed, oh, yes, apologies for failure, Clive said. Um, yeah, let, let's not forget your, your moment of fame with a, a certain lord. Um, oh, your, that was your, fun. Your biggest fan, um, who yeah. uh, absolutely the fan mail from him just does keep pouring in, doesn't it? <laughs> um, so um, people, you know, people know your silly persona. And I am going to say it's a silly persona. He is not actually as arrogant as he likes to pretend that he is. Well, it would be uh, hard to keep that up all the time, wouldn't it? Well, I was going to say it would be absolutely exhausting and I would have mm. moved out by now. But nevertheless, um, what people don't always know about you is your kind of journey into teaching. And so I, I did uh, want to ask you just a little bit uh, or, or for you to share a little bit about how you ended up with this uh, mega celebrity status, but, but your journey mm. through teaching. How, how did okay. you get here? Um, well, it started because I didn't know what to do after my degree, which I think is very common and is a, a kind of a secret that we don't like to... Um, express really we like to pretend that we all became teaching for some teachers for some kind of altruistic reason it was a vocation that burned inside us and I know that's true of some people but for a lot of people it's you know you you do your degree look at what's out there and go ah teaching so I I, I applied to train to teach and I trained in um, the University of Gloucestershire so trained in Cheltenham and in Gloucester which was uh, lovely enjoyed that and about halfway through my training, I wasn't sure that I was really going to go into teaching. I didn't enjoy my first placement, especially. I uh, found it all a little bit dull and repetitive and just got very kind of samey. Um, I was going to say, I think you're probably the first person I've heard say, you know what, my training year was a little bit dull and repetitive. It was, it was busy. <laughs> I had, you know, I was, yeah, I had lots to do, but the work itself wasn't finding particularly good. But my second placement, um, which was a, a really tough school, um, was was very very different and much more interesting I was having to think much more carefully about what I was doing and started to think a bit more about why I was doing it why I was teaching this why it mattered um and I, and I could kind of really start to see the, the benefits of of a teacher for those 
pupils, I could kind of see where the learning was was starting to occur and it was quite exciting and I could see kind of the the, the change in, in the pupils in my class. So it was kind of, you know, starting to get that, you know, that, that warm glow of, of a, of a satisfied teacher. So that, that, that was nice. So, so I kind of thought, oh, well, I'll give it a go. Um, and then just, I didn't really know kind of where to go kind of once I graduated. So I thought, well, I, I didn't drive, so I need to teach in a city somewhere. So I just applied to the first couple of jobs in cities. Um, got I, I, lo- I love your logic. No, I'm going, I could learn to drive. It's yeah. like, no, no. I'll, just, I'll just go somewhere where there's a bus. No. Yeah, that, did, that didn't really occur to me. I just thought, well, I'll just, I'll just go to kind of, yeah, so somewhere where I can where I can walk into the school or get a bus. That, that, that's illogical. So uh, I had an interview for a school in London, and it was just appallingly bad. So it was kind of you know kids smashing windows and running riot, and had a leisure centre on site, and you had strangers walking past the window in their speedos with a towel over their oh. shoulder. And thought, this isn't for me. Um, and then the second interview I had was um, in Southampton in a uh, all girls school in quite a area of high deprivation. It's kind of a interesting you know tell people you're going to go and work in the girls school to have this image of kind of mallory towers um which it really really wasn't <laughs> it was, it's like the antithesis of mallory towers. yeah it, it was really <laughs> mallory um, towers from hell <laughs> so so i taught there and then i met you and so had to you know uproot my life and move um, yeah no, no more bus routes in, in the <laughs> no, city <laughs> no, <laughs> no i swear to go and teach an all boys school um in worthing um which is kind of like Mordor on the edge of Brighton. Um, <laughs> Sean Allison, I believe, came into the studio earlier, so do be careful. He's Durrington. I mean, that's even worse <laughs> than Worthing. <laughs> that's, a, that's a step down from Worthing. Gee, gods. Um, and I was a geography teacher there, and now I'm a head of geography and research lead at Heathfield Community College in East Sussex. Um, and, yeah, been there for nine years now. Yeah, and, and enjoying it very much, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I'm a... shout out to as uh, to your head teacher. <laughs> <laughs> she won't be up at this time, um, <laughs> but it's it's a fantastic school. It's a it's a wonderful place to teach. Fabulous. Thank you for that. Like I say, I I think you know we often make assumptions about how you know people's journey and you know similar to yourself. I didn't leave, you know, mine wasn't a traditional route. I think pro- people have probably heard uh, quite a lot about my journey, which involved me uh, deciding to be a mum very, very young and uh, then going back to worry about A-levels and university and all of those kinds of things and then suddenly realised I, you know, if I wanted to uh, do something around teaching adults, which was my original plan, I needed to have some money. So um, going to be a teaching assistant was at least going to plug a gap for a while. So um, that was my, again, it wasn't exactly, you know, these stories where, you know, your heartstrings are being pulled to working with these young people. But uh, just like yourself, it it was, uh, you know, it quickly did did turn into what feels now like a a vocation, what, what feels like a really important thing to do. So thank you for that. Okay, so CPD. Um, Yes. Let, let, let's start with that whole, you know, um, bin it or bag it. Bin it or bag it. Bin it or bag it. That's my thing for today. Who are you, Chris Moyles? <laughs> What's <am>. going on? <laughs> what do we Brilliant. want to do with it? <laughs> Dusty bin for it. <laughs> I think we probably need to save it. I, I think we need to stop doing the way that CPD tends to be done, and we should do it better. Um, so redeem it, recycle it. Okay, um, that, that might be better, yeah, yeah. Yeah, bit, bit of CPD upcycling. Strip it down, slap some chalk paint on it and flog it for a fortune. So 
<laughs> you started yeah, this, this analogy, don't blame me. I know, me. I did. I wish I hadn't <laughs> gone down that route now. Um, so how, you know, what can we do? You know, what, maybe start with what, you know, we've talked a lot of, um, so far about the issues, the problems, the horror stories. Mm. Um, how have we got into that position? And I suppose then what can we do to get out of it? I think a big part of the problem is that we've tended to see teacher development in two ways we've either got people who think that teacher development means telling teachers exactly what to do really kind of micromanaging them and saying your lessons need to look like this your action in school needs to be this um, and is it, it just kind of setting up procedures for them to follow so that's kind of one route and the other one says that um, teachers are going to get better just by doing lots of teaching you know leave me alone and I will get better simply by having the experience of being in the classroom. You know, I've been teaching 20 years now. I know what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. So you've got these kind of two different views of how to get better as a teacher, either by being told how to get better or simply by having lots and lots of experience. And I don't think either one works very well on its own. I think um, we need kind of a third way in which um, experience and instruction uh, are kind of melded together so that people have a chance to do something with the instruction to reflect on their experience. Um, but I think that's, that's why we've ended up in the mess that we're in, is that we haven't really understood how people get better at something like teaching, which is an incredibly complex role. Do you think we're in a stronger position now? You know, we, we were saying earlier, actually, why, why are we still going through this again and again and again? Why are we still seeing the horror stories? Uh, is there more information out there? Is there more research that people can turn to? Yeah, I think so. I think if you look at things like the work of the Teacher Development Trust and Ambition Institute and things coming out of the Institute of Education at UCL, there's kind of a huge number of bodies looking at what effective teacher development looks like, um, which, which can point the way. I, I suppose the problem is always how long it takes this information to filter down into those people who actually plan and organise CPD in schools. You think you know, we've got thousands and thousands of schools around the country. How many of those are reading Peter Kelly's research on teacher development or um, going through the EEF report into the, the kind of you know, professional development or reading the CPD curriculum, the best-selling book available now for more good booksellers? <laughs> how many people are actually engaging with that in a meaningful way? So there is a lot out there, which is brilliant, but it's no good it just being out there. It needs to be in here with us as teachers. Do you, do you think um, people get quite panicked, you know, that, that kind of sense that they know that they need to be doing something? And, and, and by this, I mean kind of leaders. Mm. Um, and there's that real panic that you're supposed to do something, you're supposed to put on the inset, you're supposed to put on the twilights. And, and we kind of get into this performative kind of going through the motions as opposed to, to that deeper understanding? I suspect that where we're at really is where quite a lot of teaching was a decade or so ago about filling the time. Um, mm. You know, I've got half a term to fill on this topic. What activities can I put in there that's going to get me to half term rather than thinking about what is powerful knowledge, what is important for people to learn, what is going to give them the capabilities to do something in the future. And what we really, you know, when I was saying before, like these two different perspectives on teacher development, what we've got there is a kind of a future one, just tell them stuff, and a future two, 
um, just let people have their own experiences and work things out for themselves. And what we need is a future three model. We, we need a model that, that says that actually what we teach is important, that it matters, that some knowledge for teachers is more important than others. Um, and then we can start thinking about the way that we develop it. So I think that's the issue is that we're, we're kind of stuck in this odd 10-year-behind-the-time um, mindset when it comes to teacher development that just seeks to to fill in the time. So, yeah, I think there is a degree of of panic and just a lack of space for leaders to really sit and think about, well, what does good teacher development look like? Um, and a lack of training for it in the past. You know, someone takes on the role of, you know, head of teaching and learning. Well, what qualification do they have to lead on something like this? You know, wh who's trained them to teach teachers? Usually no one, you know, I think um, the new suite of NPQs might help with that. I know there's some very interesting things being done there around leading teacher development and things. So there might be kind of a route through where people have done that and done the mentoring role of early careers teachers now, and have got a better grounding in the theory of how teachers develop. But we, we haven't had that up until now. You know, you, mm -hmm. you're a successful head of department or head of year, you become an assistant head and someone goes, okay, you're now in charge of CPD. Mm -hmm. That's, that's um, lunacy. Yeah, and I have to say, I'm a, you know, who trains the trainer? You know, that I yeah. absolutely resemble that remark. Um, <laughs> and I know that there I was with, a, with an enthusiasm and a passion for, mm. you know, the idea that CPD could support people to develop their practice, the idea that, you know, people could get better, you know, to use the Dylan William, not because they weren't, you know, good enough or to paraphrase mm. Dylan Williams, but, but because we can all get better and a real kind of passionate belief in that. And I know that I did some nonsense un under that guise because I didn't, you know, I, I would try to emulate things that had mm. gone before as opposed to really understanding um, what was going on there. C can I ask you just to rewind a little bit, though, because you talked about the future one, two and three. Mm. And, and I know that's kind of our general discourse that we talk in terms of that. But would you just explain a little bit about that and what you yeah, mean Oh, yeah, I forgot that? we weren't just over dinner or taking yeah. batteries for a walk. <laughs> so we've got these kind of um, three futures that were proposed by uh, Young and Muller in 2010. Uh, and talking about um, uh, you know, curriculum, views of knowledge and curriculum for, for students. And the future one perspective is that knowledge is simply something to be transferred from the teacher to the pupil. It's a list of things that everyone should know. And the teacher tells the pupil and the pupil tries to remember. So they're kind of the very uh, Herschian model, you know, what every American needs to know. So that's our kind of our future one. And I'd say with teacher development, that's the we're going to teach teachers to do Rosenshine. Are we going to make them all teach like a champion? Or, you know, we're going to have tea or we're going to have this thing which all teachers are going to do. So that's kind of future one. Future two says that, Knowledge is all entirely subjective. You can't pass knowledge from person to person uh, because everyone has to construct meaning for themselves. So we shouldn't really try. Instead, what we should do is try to develop general competencies, largely from having authentic experiences. So we saw that in the classroom, really in the kind of, you know, the early noughties where the subject content was stripped out of subjects. And instead, many subjects just focused on things like how can we be good at group work? And how do we make thinking hats and stuff like this? And in kind of professional development terms, that's the give teachers lots and lots of experience of trying to be a teacher to work out for themselves how best to do things. The future three says that although we do all create meaning for ourselves, there is still kind of objective truth out there. And what academic disciplines try to do is they try to 
um, find this objective truth by um, creating new knowledge and in academic institutions, but also contesting it, arguing over it, saying that this is now out of date or problematic or and thrashing those things out um, all of the time. And so when we teach pupils through a kind of a future three lens, we're saying, okay, this is the best that we currently know about geography, but this is how people can test it and challenge it and try to change it. And I'd say that, that that's the model that we really need more for teacher development. We need to be able to say, okay, this is what we think, you know, really works in the classroom to help pupils learn, but you need to work out how this applies to you. And this is how that knowledge can be contested and, and reflected on, and you need to now do something with it and apply it in the future. Mm-hmm. So that's our kind of our, our three, our three models. And I, and I think that they apply to teacher learning just as well as they do to student learning. Yeah. I think I think the point you make there as well about really thinking about the context. Sobia said, uh, you know, time, context, the space for mm. the leaders to be able to think about it, and the space for the teachers to mm. be able to explore what that means. Um, Mike's asked a, an interesting question here. Um, Sounds like Mike. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you answer it. I'm not going to. But um, he says, are whole school teaching and learning roles fundamentally flawed? And do they need to go um, or, or at least be massively scaled back? So their role is to enable and empower professional development in subjects. So the whole school, do we need oh, to? Oh, Mike. I mean, history <laughs> is not that unique. <laughs> Give it up. Um, it's, it's a really tricky one. Um, my inclination is is no. I don't, I don't think it does particularly to be scaled back. I think it should be done better. And I think more time needs to be given to think about how things apply in subjects. I think there is enough commonality in how people learn and what teaching looks like across subjects, which then needs to be taken into subject departments, into subject communities and discussed, debated, planned for and something done with. So if you think about the model that we use at Heathfield, you know, if we have whole school CPD, so once every half term, we'll kind of have a whole school CPD session. It's an hour and a half session after school. 30 minutes of it usually is in the hall with some kind of whole school input on the thing we're looking at. Then there's an hour in which we're back in departments doing further reading, looking at how it applies to our subjects, seeing if there's subject specific information on this idea. Has, you know, is it in the subject association journals? Is there anything more that we can look at? And that's led by the head of department or other people in the department who have some expertise there. And I think that's the better model. So I think it's that the role of teaching and learning lead needs to be scaled back or abolished. I just think it's about where we put the time for CPD. I still think that it's worth having that whole school input on what does dialogic teaching look like? Because all teachers can benefit from that information being explored and discussed, but you then want more time thinking about how it looks in your subject. I think it takes us back as well, doesn't it, to the um, idea of kind of autonomy and whether it's just, you know, teachers need to be left alone to explore these things. And, and there's that, I suppose, there's that risk. Um, and I, I'm not leading teaching and learning in school, so I'm not kind of battling for my role here or anything like mm-hmm. that in my answer. But I think there's a risk that if we strip it away too much and potentially hand over too much autonomy I I, I really kind of I prefer using language around the idea of agency yeah. and, and that kind of self-efficacy the fact that you know that you can do something yourself and make those choices because I think too much autonomy can just leave us floundering and it can be really mm. overwhelming for for particularly new people in the profession if they haven't got that direction 
Well, I think that's a, a whole other debate, isn't it? Is whether the CPD, not just whether it should look the same for every subject, mm. but should it look the same for novice and experienced teachers? Do we need a different program for early careers teachers than we do from expert teachers? Um, and I suspect that we do because we, we learn very differently as experts than we do as novices. It's why the way that we teach um, school children isn't necessarily the same as we would teach university students because of the amount of knowledge they already hold. Yes, as Sobia said, you know, absolutely, yes, we do. And um, and Colin, again, says, you know, genericism is really too prevalent at, time, at times. But you mentioned, uh, uh, you know, right at the start when you were talking about your school, that, um, you know, that, that input on what learning is. And actually, there was an earlier question, which I, I think it, we might not have enough time in the show unless you can make it really pithy, um, and we don't mind that, um, about what is learning. So, you know, I, I think that's the whole discussion, I think, around CPD. If we haven't got some kind of understanding, agreement um, and shared language around that, then we could get into problems, whatever we try to do to, to follow that up. Yeah, that's all fine, though, because Ofsted have defined learning for us. It's the ability <laughs> to remember more and do more. That's that Hang simple. on, there wasn't there understand more in there, isn't it? Isn't it remember more, understand more to do more? Yeah, but then what's the difference between being able to remember more and understand more? I don't know. There could there could be all sorts of debates around. You know, <laughs> no, can we, no, no, no. Debates finished. Can move on. <laughs> <laughs> We've had the debate. The debate is sorted. In fairness, okay. Adam Boxer taught us this. Time to that's move on. Tr that, that's true, yes. Adam is very clear on, on what that means. <laughs> okay, um, so we've got another comment here. I entirely agree. There's a need for alternative CPD pathways for novices and experienced teachers. That's that's quite a tricky problem, though, isn't it? I, I completely agree with that. And, you know, certainly I know that if I was told that I'm going to have to come and practice how I introduce students to my classroom or welcome them at the door and I needed to role play that I, I would not be a happy bunny I would not be very happy after 20 years having somebody mm. to show me how I need to do that um, and spend 20 minutes achieving it um, but how do we do that in a school where we've got so many different people and so many different experiences that they're coming with I think it's the hope of the early careers framework, really, isn't it? It's, it's the idea you know, that the early careers framework should, and I know there were kind of issues with finding the time and, and resources to do this well, but in theory, that should be given novice teachers the kind of the grounding in the professional knowledge that they need as they go through into their career. So that's that's the idea. And then what you can do with whole school sessions is then to treat people like experts as long as you tie up what you're doing with what people have already covered in the early careers framework otherwise you're going to run into difficulty um, but it is a real challenge and I think it's probably one reason why you do see different approaches in different schools and why a one size fits all approach doesn't work for things like CPD so if you think about some schools in London I mean they burn through their staff like nothing else you know you get staff uh, schools which are staffed almost entirely by NQTs and your CPD there is going to have to look very different than at our school where I think 80% of staff are kind of on the upper pay range you know my entire mm. department have been teaching for decades they're really old you know it's going to look very very different there because if you keep having high staff turnover, then you do have to keep reintroducing things. You have to do year after year. What does Rosenshine say about questioning over and over and over again? Mm. Because you've got different staff. If you've got the same staff, you then can have a curriculum that builds over the years. 
in the knowledge that most of your staff were there five years ago for the session on what did Rosenshine say about questioning. And then five years later, can have looked at exploratory talk and dialogic teaching and Socratic teaching, building on that on that kind of strong foundation. Um, but it is it, it's difficult. And yeah. that's why we need teaching and learning leads with really good professional training in how to do this themselves. There you go, Mike. He circled full back around to your question there. Uh, Sovia has said uh, that, you know, and I think she's right here, that people may argue that experienced teachers might need refreshing as bad habits may be in place. Mm. And, and certainly I think that that can be the case. But particularly, as you're saying, because everyone's come through a very different experience mm. of their training, um, the, you know, the things that they've developed along the way. You know, certainly from my perspective, it was like, you know, off you go to your classroom let's hope you survive today let's see what you come out with at the end yeah. of it well, that's um, that, a, that kind of that that, that yeah. second professional development lens from Corthagen, isn't it you'll just mm. learn from experience and, and it's nerve-wracking and it, it's mm. terrifying but it does mean that there are certain habits that have been developed um, and if we can perhaps get it you know and again it, we've got that issue haven't we of being, being really prescriptive if I'm saying get it right from the start and, and get people to follow these paths um, I suppose the difference is, you know, making sure they've got the knowledge and then some agency around what they do with that knowledge in their context, um, as opposed to just saying, well, everybody's got to, you know, cross the whole profession, do this um, mm. as soon as students come into the uh, the class. Yeah. Good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll just do we like that. Um, so Clive said, unless a teacher is engaging in the latest research, then the most up-to-date knowledge they have in ITT fades. They are mm. experts but suffer trade fade. Mm. Yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a huge issue. And I've said before, you get teachers who say, you know, I've been teaching for 20 years. I have 20 years experience of teaching, but they might not. They might have one year of experience that they've experienced 20 times. If they haven't reflected on their experience, if they haven't thought, well, what does this mean? What do I need to do differently? How does this affect me? Then you don't have 20 years experience. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, one of the things that I'd like to talk a little bit um, after I go to the news, if I can work out where to find it, um, <laughs> will be um, about that report that came out yesterday, which says that, again, we've got a, a dip in the number of um, people who are signing up to join the teaching profession and I'm really interested in thinking about the retention and whether mm. um, the, the kind of re the retention is something that CPD can support with but I'll let you ponder that while I ponder uh, where on earth the news might be and uh, and I'll come back to you in a moment thank you All right, otherwise I'll just read out the Guardian headlines good luck this is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Megan Goods. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News. House of Commons report on teacher recruitment has highlighted the ongoing shortage of school staff. The report noted a key factor behind this was the heavy workload shouldered by teachers and school leaders. A 2018 survey from TALIS found teachers were working 49.3 hours a week on average 
above the OECD average of 41 hours a week. Full-time primary teachers reported 52.1 hours of work a week on average, placing England higher than any other participating country except Japan. 53% of primary and 57% of secondary teachers felt their workload was unmanageable. The report from the Commons points to the new early career framework, including a second year with 5% off timetable time as their solution. That was your latest Teachers Talk Radio News. I just let the pretty jingle bells disappear off into... Oh! You've been listening. <laughs> Every time. And, and I've done even the thing that, that everybody's told me to do to make sure I've clicked on it so it's got a line through. And still it wants to play it. But never mind. I'm sure... Um, yeah, I'll, I'll get used to the tech. And I will not swear about the tech. Um, okay. So, it, it, you know, in there, um, we heard the mention about teacher retention, uh, sort of teacher recruitment, teacher workload. And um, so I, I wondered if we could explore a little bit the idea of CPD um, as and how it relates to workload. Because what I hear a lot of is, you know, it's just another thing. It's yet another thing that we have to do. Um, and, you know, we haven't got time for CPD. Now, again, I, I know what how I feel around that and, and kind of my concerns about that. Um, but, you know, what 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 do you think uh, in terms of that? Um, I think that there, there's a, a huge issue there. Um, I, I, when you think about kind of um, Peter Kelly's research into CPD, he points out that there's an issue with teacher retention when your values don't align. So if you're having lots of CPD that's trying to promote a vision of education that you as a teacher don't identify with, isn't part of your identity as a teacher, you're more likely to leave the profession. So if everything is focused on, say, you know, for me, if everything was focused on vocational um, benefits of teaching. It's all about you know getting a job and employability skills, and this is what we want to teach for. I would leave. I, I wouldn't be a teacher anymore. I think this this isn't for me. The things I'm being asked to do don't align to my values and, and how I see education. And for other people, it would be always oh, all about powerful knowledge and, and teaching pupils, you know, cultural transmission. And and and, and you know, I'd be like a, a pig in poo. See, didn't swear, <laughs> but. For, well for other people, yeah, for other people, um, that would that would drive them out. That that would be you know a step too far. So, I think it's important that we think about the purpose of the CPD. You know, what is it that we, what is it that we think education is for? You know, what what's it there to do? What's its function? What's its purpose? Because that will then affect the CPD that we offer, and we just want to make sure that we align the goals of, of education and CPD with those of our wider staff body. So we probably need to show it through a number of different lenses. So, okay, so, you know, we're going to be looking at effective questioning and dialogue, which is important for a number of reasons, including nonsense about vocation, but also <laughs> about powerful knowledge. And it's also good for holistic waffle. And, you know, so you'd want to kind of use these different lenses so everyone can see how this is important to serve a number of different things including things that they're aligned to. I think the, the problem tends to arise with CPD when you just feel you're being 
told to do something which doesn't um, fit your view of what teaching is. Is there not a risk, though, there of watering things down so much? Mm. You know, you've kind of been slightly dismissive in, in some of your phrasing. <laughs> no, <there>. me? <laughs> just ever so slightly. Mm. Um, but is there that risk that we're just going to end up watering it down if we're trying to – it almost becomes about appeasing as opposed to clarifying? Yeah, I think so. It, it can be an issue. Um, I think it, it's where you then take people on the journey. So I think you can still have a view of, okay, you know, we think school is is, is primarily for this and, and that's what's driving us. But it, it's just an acknowledgement that it will also help with these other things. You know, it, it you know, it does more than more than one thing. I, I think if you try to make everything do everything as its primary purpose, then then it is going to create some fairly major issues. But but most of what, you know, think about kind of Mike's point about the kind of, you know, the fact that so much C P D is generic it does also serve various different functions and various different purposes. And lots of people can get on board with things from different points of view. So I think you can say, this is where I'd like our school to be. This is what I think this school should be trying to achieve. This is our kind of our, the journey that we're on. And I hope you can come with us. I'm going to try and convince you that, that this really matters whilst at the same time, acknowledging that other people's perspective on education might be different um, and they can still achieve what they want to achieve with you in that school. Including the utilitarian view, presumably. Sadly, yeah. I know mean, it's not mine. You know, I, I don't think that that's what the, the teaching should be, this kind of grubby utilitarian that let's all try and get everyone to get a job at the end of it and become productive little economic units. It's not what I want education to be for. But it's hard to um, um, deny that getting some good grades, having some knowledge, being good communicators and things that come from very good, powerful teaching will also lead to utilitarian gains. It's just not what I think should be the primary driving force. So you can you can still acknowledge that you will still get those utilitarian things that you think are important through this view of education. But I think it, it just needs to be acknowledged that people have different views and different values. If we pretend that they don't, they they leave. Yeah, ab absolutely. And and we know, you know, obviously the figures that came out yesterday, mm. this is not going to go well in a few years time. And if we if the stories that I'm also hearing about teachers leaving the profession um, mm. are kind of indicative of what's going on, then we are going to be in some dire straits. Um, but but I also think, you know, people kind of go, well, you know, we haven't got time. We haven't got, the, you know, the CPD. If CPD is working well, then ideally it should shouldn't be adding to your workload it should actually be making mm. it easier you know I was having a conversation with um, someone in ITT recently and they were saying you know I'm having to make a decision between um, planning my lessons and reading around Rosenshine and um, you know Rosenshine's always going to be put over there because I'm, I'm planning for my lessons over here and I absolutely understand that kind of sense mm. of I've got 30 kids in front of me I've got to do something about it but you know I was gently suggesting that maybe if she took a little bit of time with some of that rose and shine reading, not necessarily the whole thing in one go, but if she took a little bit of time looking at that, then that might actually make some of the time that she was spending in the planning a little bit easier. Um, and so it's combining those things, isn't it, back and forth? Yeah, I think so. And also just making it clear that CPD isn't optional. It, it's not an add-on. It's not an, an extra ask. It's not a, um, a, an apology that, that, you know, I'm really sorry we're taking your time to do this. This is part of being a professional. And, and I think it needs to go hand in hand with then being treated as a professional 
but as part of being treated as a professional, you have a responsibility to um, improve and to develop as a professional. Yeah. Um, and yeah. actually, that links beautifully. I've, I've got, um, you know, Clive says, you know, do we lose the importance of reflection that's instilled in training the longer mm. we're in the classroom? Unless we're in a good culture of doing in this school, how can we uh, really reflect? reflect mm. to the level of trainees and, and lots about reflection there but also um there's a, qu a quote here um it says to slightly alter the words of uh, the one and only christine council a teacher who has stopped learning is frozen in time hmm. um and i think that's you know i, I think i've probably learned more about teaching in, and, and learning in the last six seven years mm. than i probably did in my first 12 13 years of teaching yeah, no, I, I can really see that. You know, myself, I think, you know, up until probably seven, eight years ago, my teaching had largely kind of ossified. Um, there was no reflection. CPD was this kind of a, sorry to have to bring you all together, but now we're going to talk to you about something. Apologies for that, right? Off you go back to your planning kind of nature. Um, and I wasn't really given time or encouraged to reflect and to think and to believe that what I was doing really mattered. It was just, you know, you will keep the kids busy um, as best you can. Um, and let's, let's hope they get the grades they need so that we don't get stung in another Ofsted inspection. And that that was it. That that yeah. was that was kind of, you know, that, that was you as a professional. Mm. Um, it didn't matter. Nobody cared. And uh, I think I that, think... you know, what you said there really makes me reflect about that slightly apologetic, you know, mm. I'm, I'm sorry that I'm asking you to do this CPD. Well, actually, if this yeah. really matters then mm. I'm not sorry. We need to be doing uh, it. And you see it a lot and, and things like um, this is nothing new. There's a real kind yeah. of emphasis that people want to do whenever there's a kind of a CPD, you know, this is nothing new. I know I'm just teaching you to suck eggs. Now I know you're all doing this already. You think, well, then stop. if you genuinely believe that, stop the do session. <laughs> don't do it. Do something else. But you don't really believe it, which is why you're doing it. Mm. So acknowledge, you know. I know some of you will be doing this already, but we know most of you aren't because of, you know, what we've seen and what we've experienced. And, you know, therefore we need to remind you about this. Or actually this isn't just something that you've been doing forever. You know, you, you see it with things like Rosenshine and people going, oh, but everyone's been doing this forever. Go, they haven't. I go into, you know, dozens of schools, work with hundreds of teachers. They're not doing it. It's not yeah. true. Some people are doing it, but they're not. So can we stop pretending that everyone's an incredible, amazing, the best teacher they could ever possibly be with nothing more to learn. They're not. I'm not. Nobody <laughs> is. Let, let's, you know, stop this lie and stop apologising for CPD and, and start celebrating it and going, no, we're professionals. You're going to be treated as professionals with the agency to decide how to use this information, but you need this information to have that agency. Without knowledge, you don't have agency. Mm. Agency is built on knowledge. It's built on capability. I was say you went on a little bit of a rant there. You got you, you got quite caught up in that one. Yeah, I've just had a second cup of coffee. Oh, I see. Right, you're, you're getting a bit overexcited there. Hmm. Noreen's asked two fantastic questions. Um, the first one, um, she uh, asks, uh, is this what dinner table conversation is like at your place? And, and I will answer that before you and just say, no, it's not. We just tweet each other from across the table. Yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah, we, we, you know, this is probably the most we've spoken in how long? You know, oh, years. Yeah, you know, I've, yeah. I'd almost forgotten what your voice sounded like. I have mm. to tune into kind of videos to catch up with you on those sessions. Mm. But she's also asked a really interesting question. Um, which is, you know, what questions do you think governors should be asking about CPD in the schools that they're working with? 
Mm. Well, that is an interesting question. I, I'd be interested to, to hear what Noreen thinks governors um, should be asking about CPD because she's obviously got a huge amount of experience as a governor and as a leader yeah. of governors. I mean, oh, I, she's call, she's calling in, so we're going to be able good. to hear from her. Excellent. Well, I, I could, but then she's got away. Hang oh. on. Somebody who's technical, tell me, because she appeared and then she went. Are you coming back to us, Noreen? Tell us that you're coming back to us. No, maybe. Um, I, you know, I, I think, you know, I've, I've done a little bit of work with governors, but obviously have no kind of, the kind of, I have to apparently catch it at the right time. So I wasn't quick enough to let Noreen in. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I, I think... Um... Really, it's the same kind of questions governors be asking about curriculum for pupils. Yeah. So, you know, what's the intent of your CPD? You know, why are you putting this on? Um, how do you know this is what your staff need? Mm. Is this something all staff need? What are you going to do for those staff who don't need this or who need something different? And then the implementation. You know, why are you delivering CPD in this way? Why is putting them in the hall for an hour and a half the best way for them to develop and then asking them about impact. You know, how do you know if your CPD will have worked? You know, what will it look like? What will be different in a month's time, in a term's time, in a year's time as a result of the CPD that you've put on? So I'd be using the kind of the, the three, you know, intent, implementation, impact that, that, that Ofsted use um, when thinking about how effective a, a curriculum for students are and using that as the same framework to interrogate how good a CPD curriculum is. I think really knitting that, you know, knitting together that intent and the impact um, is, is so important. I think, you know, we really need to think about that and drill down with that at the start. So what do we expect to see changing? And it's back to unpicking the problem. It's back to sort of deciding, well, what is it we're trying to do for our stu- that our students perhaps currently can't do or, or there is an issue in our school that we need to address and not trying mm-hmm. to address everything at once. Um, I think that's another thing that we, we really get confused with, with CPD mm. um, and, and kind of, you know, just chasing everything that, see, you know, thinking this is going to be fantastic, right? We're all going to, you know, we say, you know, we're going to teach like a champion with that bit and then we're going to borrow a little bit from making every lesson count here and then we're going to do a bit of rose and shine. And, and it's just this, this sense that we're chasing around opportunities rather than thinking it through clearly yeah yeah there's too much yeah and um, noreen said she'd also ask about uh, tas and how they're involved in in those opportunities mm. um and you know having come from that background myself I, I i have to say you know my my school was absolutely fantastic that i started in in terms of that um because they really invested in us as members of staff there was no sense of you know, you're an add-on, you, you know, you're being missed out of this staff development opportunity. Um, but equally, there, there was that respect for the fact that we weren't being paid exactly the same as teaching staff and we weren't on the same contracts. Mm. But, you know, we, we felt so supported that we, you know, a whole group of, uh, a, a, we were a huge department, there were about 12 of us. And the majority of us um, went for a series of sessions on a Saturday morning to learn more about dyslexia. Um, mm. And, and that's because we felt valued and that, that what we were doing was valued and that people cared about that development. And I'm not suggesting for a second people should be giving up Saturday mornings to do their own CPD or anything. But, you know, that the, we wanted to because we were part of the school and we were part of the fabric and we were given opportunities to develop in the same way that teachers were. Yeah, it matters. 
Yeah, absolutely, it matters. Okay, um, any other questions or comments for Mark, please do text um, or call in. That would be fantastic. Um, I've got a few other things that I wanted to uh, just direct our attention to. Now, I think you'll probably like this one, Mark, because I am kind of pandering to you a little bit here. But finally, fucking finally, 15 finally years starting. of marriage. But... <laughs> um, you, you obviously, you, you have made the link between... D&D and um, teaching and mm -hmm. what goes on in your classroom. Do you think you would be able to stretch that analogy at all to explore um, how it works for CPD? So what can we learn from Dungeons and Dragons to develop CPD in our schools? Oh, there's a, there's a whole book in this, isn't there? Um, oh, okay. <laughs> okay, let's have a think. Okay, so um, I think it comes back to kind of the fundamental nature of Dungeons and Dragons, uh, which is an amazing thing in itself. So for those people who, who don't know, for some weird reason, have never played Dungeons and Dragons, you really should can I, can I just interrupt you one second? For those people who, <laughs> who don't have any interest in Dungeons and Dragons, I would suggest that you, you kind of disappear now because he what? is really going into depth on no. this one. <laughs> those people who want to know more. Oi. <laughs> Wait, There's not many doing? occasions where a radio host would say, you know, can you go away now because he's really going into one. But Tom no, sorry, Rogers Mark. is going to kill you. <laughs> carry Tell on, people carry to on. tune out. <laughs> Blimey. All right. So the way the Dungeon Dragons works is that it's already done inside people's heads. It's kind of collaborative storytelling. So you have one person who's the dungeon master and they've got the adventure, the scenario in their head, and they're describing it to the players. And the players are then deciding what actions they want to take based on what the dungeon master has described. So the dungeon master might say something like, you know, you're walking down a corridor, um, water drips from the ceiling, making the floor slick. Um, at the end of the corridor, you see um, a squat, evil looking goblin holding a short sword. What do you want to do? And the players then say, well, oh, I'm going to run forward. Or they're like, oh, how slippery is the floor? I'm worried about this. Or, you know, they, they, they then decide what to do. The only way it works is if the dungeon master, the storyteller, has really kind of conjured up a scene that everyone can believe in, can picture, can, can act within. They've got to be really clear on where people are at. And I think this is kind of a, a similar for, for school leaders and for teachers generally. You know, we've got something in our head. We've got a vision for teaching and learning, or we've got a vision for how we want staff to manage behavior, or, you know, we've got this scenario that we're trying to create. And we've got to be very precise in our language of, of giving people um, access to this same image so that they really understand what we understand. So that as the CPD leader, I might be thinking, okay, I, you know, there's this really interesting research on how to do effective dialogic teaching or something um, that I want other people to have access to. But they're part of the story. The other people, the players are part of the story as well. And they need to be able to take ownership of it. So in the same way that, that the person playing Dungeons and Dragons needs to be able to say, oh, okay, I understand that the goblin is 30 feet ahead and this is what therefore I want to do, or all oh, the water's dripping from the ceiling. Maybe that means that there's a water reservoir up there that I could, you know, try and pull down to flood the tunnel or, you know, whatever it is. When you're trying to introduce this new idea, you need to make sure that everybody in that hall has that same vision and understands what they can then do as a result so that they are, have the agency to go, I attack the goblin or the agency to say, I'm going to ask questions in this certain way. 
Um, but, but it only comes if you fully explore together what this actually means. It can't just be bad Dungeons and Dragons, which is where the dungeon master just says, there's a goblin, you've got to attack it, and then you have to go and attack it because no one's going to buy into that. No one's going yeah. to have a good time. Absolutely. And I think that getting the buy-in is, is it's crucial, isn't it? It's kind of creating mm. the right conditions for for people to want to develop and, and you have to give them that reason. Um, I know that James Hanscom has done a lot of work around this for his t his team of teachers um, and really very creative, as, you, as those of, who know James, very creatively uh, approached the story that he wants people mm. to, to be part of um, in his school. And, and I think there's a lot, you know, that we could perhaps learn um, about that and interestingly, in, another teacher who plays Dungeons and Dragons. See, yeah, there, there, there does seem to be school a, a, leaders who play Dungeons <laughs> and Dragons are just better at their jobs. <laughs> okay, well that's the statement for the day. There isn't it? That's one that's probably going to come back and bite you one day. The idea <laughs> that you've just dismissed all of the people who don't play Dungeons and Dragons as not well, they're good weirdos. school leaders, aren't they? Oh, even better. Let's just carry this on then. Um, so yeah, I have got another question that's popped up here. It says, uh, I don't know if you've noticed. Um, on some of the Twitter spaces, We're, they're running um, a staff room and in the, and a staff room 101. And so, what would you put in staff room 101? And, I, and I'm, you know, let's keep it <laughs> CBD focused as opposed to. Oh, <laughs> I can't just put in all other staff. <laughs> no, no, that's not allowed. <laughs> oh, so so staff room 101. What is in kind of what did I put in from teaching? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what, I mean, the hats the are already in there. Learning the styles are in there. You know. Hey, wait a minute! Are we not judging learning styles a little too quickly? <laughs> I've I've heard at least dozen people say that it still has value. Okay, so what would I put in my my staff from one hundred and one linked to CPD? I think what I think what I'd put in is delivery without time for reflection. I think I, I'd put in any CPD session which happens on a Friday at the end of a busy day where somebody stands up and delivers and then everybody goes home for the weekend or CPD that happens on the inset day at the end of term where somebody just goes, blah, 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 stuff, 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 stuff. This is what you should be doing differently. Off you go, go home, forget about it now. Uh, I think any CPD that isn't followed up with, with time for teachers to go, what does this mean for me? I'm now going to plan to use it to my next lesson. I'm going to put things in place so that I can try it. I'm then going to, going to have time planned into my day to reflect on it and, and, and really make a difference. I just think the amount of time, energy, money, and goodwill we waste by lecturing teachers but not giving them time to act is criminal. So I'd put that into Room 101. Strong words there from Mark Enser. It is criminal. Uh, and uh, we've got a comment here, the CPD sessions that are poorly taught lessons mm. need to go in there. Uh, HB History says that, um, you know, I might put D&D &D in there. Um, I, I hate, I, 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 well, I hate to break it. I might put D&D &D analogies for, in teaching in there, but, but uh, oh. I, I'm, I'm a player myself, so I don't think I can... Um, quite put that in there and uh, and get away with that um not unless i want don't want my character to die next week no exactly <laughs> when i'm playing exactly this that's, that's going to go horribly wrong if, if i do hmm. that um so so i won't be doing that um I, i'm kind of aware of time and and that you might need another cup of coffee to to keep hmm. you going before we take the dog for a walk later so i just wanted to thank you ever so much 
for coming along and talking. Um, obviously, we do talk to each other. We don't just tweet or text over the dinner table. So I've had the pleasure of hearing lots of your thoughts and comments for a number of years and uh, and have you helped shape my thinking around this. But hopefully people, you know, and I know people have enjoyed listening to you. You've got quite a soothing radio voice. Maybe Tom needs to be in touch about you doing a show going forward um, and, and giving me the, the Saturday morning off instead. But uh, it's, been, it's been lovely talking to you from all the way in the living room. Um, and uh, I will kind of catch up with you and, and the comments that have been put in here. Uh, apparently, there are a few spaces on Sunday evening if you're interested there. that's already popped up there. So thank you ever so much, Mark. Um, thank see you, you in a bit. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Okay, thank you ever so much for uh, to everybody who's been listening today. Um, you know, certainly there's a lot to reflect on. I think we've got a long way to go in relation to CPD. Um, we've got lots to think about and lots to learn. And, and I think one of the points that Mark was saying there that we're kind of ten years. You know, we've made huge strides in terms of teaching and learning and uh, understanding more about learning, understanding more about our students. We're still making progress with that, but I think we're perhaps a little bit behind in considering um, what our staff need and that we're still perhaps emulating, just as we did with students, where, you know, certainly me, you know, stepping into the classroom with relatively little formal training, still emulating those things um, again and again and again that perhaps haven't got, aren't having the impact that we want them to have. So, uh, you know, do keep the conversation going. Do keep the conversation going on Twitter. And I'd, I'd like to hear more of your thoughts around it, this. Um, I'm going to be back in two weeks time and uh, hopefully all being well. Uh, my, me and my guests are going to be talking about what we can learn about CPD by looking outside of the profession. We spend a lot of time looking at things in, in, from within inside the profession and there's a lot of value to learning from each other but perhaps considering what we can learn from other professions what we can learn from their kind of experiences and bring those in and think about how they might reflect on us so I, again I'd be really interested to hear your um, <laughs> hear your thoughts my special guest I don't know if he is in the studio still at the moment he might have a crying baby but Clive Hill is going to be joining us um, in the next session and obviously he's got a wealth of experience from different backgrounds from outside of teaching and I was really keen to hear on what he had to say and also the perspective of his wife who also you know has a career where uh, there's lots of things that, that we could learn from in terms of uh, kind of medical profession and midwifery and the way that they're doing things there too so it's going to be Hello. Hi, Clive. He's still here. So that's brilliant. So she says hi. And, and, and I send kisses back. It's all going to be very good and lovely when we chat. Um, coming up later today, then, we have got on Teacher Talk Radio, Emma Williams um, with the Saturday Brunch Show. And that starts at 11 o'clock. And Joe Hammond, um, who is in the session, session later today. But that is all from me at the moment. And uh, I look forward to seeing you next time. Cue the jingle. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.